this morning we're going to talk about answering the call. And if we talk about cell phones, phones, um, we're pretty connected today. Uh, most of us have a phone with us all the time. Some people have done away with the home phone because the cell phone, it works wherever they go. I live somewhere where my cell phone does not work very well. So if I didn't have a home phone, uh, that would that'd be difficult for us. So, um, But... You know, in having a phone and being connected and really being available all the time, uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just want to be unavailable. Some people love being available. Uh, They like being able to make calls, receive calls. Uh, But I get those phone calls that I don't want. And uh, I'm not saying from any of you, but I'm just saying from people wanting to, you know, get me to answer questions about uh, things that, well, I don't want to answer questions about. Or uh, maybe they want uh, support in this or that. And those are the people that usually don't leave a message. So if I don't recognize the number, uh, sometimes I let it go to voicemail or I let it go to the answering machine. And uh, so if you call and I don't answer, it's not because I'm avoiding you. I might not recognize your number. Or maybe I'm unavailable. Because sometimes we drive from here to Kalispell and we run out of service, right? Um, Even where I live, we can be here around Libby and run out of service because um, there's lots of mountains and trees, and, and that blocks cell service at times. Um, I've even run out of power with my cell phone, and sometimes that can be really frustrating. For some people, they don't know what to do. It actually puts them into panic if they run out of power or maybe run out of service, um, misplace their phone. Um, have you ever been talking on the phone and wondered where the phone is? Okay. <laughs> So, you know, we know we got it bad when that happens, but um, sometimes we drop it in the water and hopefully it's not the toilet. Um, I tell you what, there's, there's a lot of good to being connected um, and to being available, um, and, and sometimes there's, you know, some negative things, and not really to get into that, but I want to ask you, do you answer your phone? Uh, do you answer the call? Um, are there reasons why you don't? Uh, today I find more and more uh, years ago, everyone answered their phone. Today, not so much. So, it's, you know, a text message might work better. Um, so here we're interacting a little bit different. But really the question is, do you answer your phone? Are you available? And uh, when it comes down to it, how you treat your phone and answering the phone, um, if, if that was to be switched to how you um, answer God, um, how would that look? You know, are you making yourself available are you answering the call when he's calling out to you? So this morning, we're going to look at that a little bit further. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, cell phones make sense. Sometimes hearing God call us does not. So hopefully you'll have a better understanding by the time we're done today. I'd like you to open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 3. And we're going to look at a story of God calling Samuel. And when you get there, just hold it. Uh, We are going to pray and we're going to dive right in. Father God, we thank You so much for Your Word. God, it's uh, because of Your Word that we know You love us. God, that we come together and we worship You. Thankful for uh, You being a God that that You know us, You love us, and You are living and You are active and You want a relationship with us that is growing. And uh, so God, as we explore this idea of uh, answering Your call, God, I pray that it's your message, your word that's spoken, your truth, and Lord, that um, you would open our hearts and our minds to what you have for each and every one of us today. Lord, I do know that many have come in here, some with um, maybe some heaviness, Lord, and I just pray that you'd be working 
in this time. Just uh, extending your uh, spirit of peace, Lord, your love and mercy. And God, as, as we are here gathered together, that we would know that you are here with us. We thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you are, 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting in verse 1, just follow along. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and he lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. This was the first time that Samuel heard God speak to him. Do you think he was nervous? Do you think that maybe he was unsure or even afraid? Well, it tells us that he was afraid. He was afraid because he was going to have to tell Eli what was going to happen to his sons. The Bible tells us that he was afraid, but Samuel was obedient. And because of that, God was faithful See, Samuel was a a child of promise. His mother could not have a child, and there was uh, kind of a war going on at home, and Samuel's mother was at war with the wife of Samuel's father, and, you know, it was was a very um, 
big struggle. And so she prayed and she prayed and she told God, if you give me a child, I will put that child in your service. And she did. And this is the story of Samuel. And we know as, as Samuel throughout his life, he was anointed by God and um, was able to speak uh, to many and do great things because he was obedient. As we see, the first time he hears the call of God and recognizes it and answers it, he didn't recognize it at first, did he? And Eli didn't know either. He was just trying to sleep. But we see that Samuel would be obedient and God would be faithful. We can read in the Bible many examples of God calling out to His people and uh, the responses are different. Um, sometimes it's hesitation. Sometimes it's uh, defiance. Sometimes um, there's just unclarity. And, and it's just neat to see Samuel, a boy, 12 years old, older, um, and to hear the voice and even though afraid, would answer the call. We're going to look at um, some young men who were also called by God. And if you open to Matthew chapter 4, it's the calling of the first disciples. And to see their reaction as Jesus called them. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, He saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And this is unbelievable. At once, they left their nets and followed Him. How many of you, when you're fishing, are going to just drop your net to go do something else? Fishing's pretty important. This was their livelihood, and, uh, but they were obedient, and right away they followed Jesus. Then it goes on to say, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat, and their father followed him. I wonder if dad was looking off to the side, and they just left, and he didn't know, and he looked over, and they were gone. I don't know, but isn't that amazing? Jesus calls them, and they follow. Just like that. No arguing, no question, no thought. Just Jesus called, and they followed. It makes me wonder about our lives, and, and um, when we're called, uh, there's some questions that come to mind. Um, the first one being, are you willing? Am I willing? Right? When Jesus calls us, when we're called by God, are we willing? And then, if we are willing, are we listening? Because we see Samuel hears, right? He hears God calling to him. He was listening, except he didn't even know. Now, he was in the temple where God was, in the tabernacle set for God to be. Now, he was there because he slept there. That was his place. Um, not expecting to hear the voice of God, maybe. But God called and uh, he was willing. He was listening once he knew what he was listening for. Um, are you listening? And then, are you distracted? Because we might be willing and listening, but if we're distracted, we may not hear the call, the voice of God. Are you distracted? And that's you know, one of these funny things about cell phones. Um, while they can be a great thing, a great tool, uh, lots of advantages, they can also be quite a distraction and I'm saying that because they can be for me and I know they can be for others I mean this summer when 
Pokemon Go came out and people started playing the game while they're driving and walking and, you know, people are distracted and they're not even paying attention to very important things, right? Like driving a car, walking out into traffic. Um, It's scary when we're so distracted by a small object in our hand that we can't see what's going on in the world around us. How does that look like in our relationship with the Lord? We may be willing, we may be listening, but so distracted by other things that we don't hear the call of God. The last question is this, what are you waiting for? And I would argue that maybe the disciples were just waiting for this opportunity. Maybe to you know, drop their nets and do something else. Maybe the fishing wasn't good. Um, maybe they knew who Jesus was and they were just waiting for that opportunity to be with Him. But um, sometimes we're waiting, and it's not to hear the voice of God, but maybe we're waiting for the timing to be right. I mean, we hear the voice of God, but we're waiting for things just to line up uh, just so. So when I ask you, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for God to call you so that you can do something? Or are you waiting for the time to be right so that you can answer the call? But those four questions go, you know, just they come out of my mind and my heart when I, when I read about the disciples being called. And they're questions for all of us to answer. And as I think about this idea of life and the busyness and, and uh, God calling us, uh, I was thinking about a book that I read, Too Busy Not to Pray by Bill Hybels. And uh, here's just a couple of quotes that I want you to see uh, from the book. Most of us are far too busy for our own spiritual good. If you think about that, this idea of too busy not to pray, it's kind of a funny thing because that can be our first excuse for not doing things because we're so busy. But we are so busy that if we do not spend time with God, if we're not spending time on our spiritual life, that's going to have a negative impact on us. So while we're busy, we need more time with God. In prayer, and reading the Word, and coming together and worshiping, we need time with God because we're too busy not to. The next one, authentic Christianity is a supernatural walk with a living, dynamic communicating God. When I read that and I think about that, it says, if we're Christians, our our relationship with God, it needs to be real. I mean, there should be evidence of that. We shouldn't just be calling ourselves that, but our life should be such that people see that. If we are going to be authentic in our faith, there should be evidence that there is a supernatural walk, that God is working on our life. And God can do that in the busy because we don't have time or energy to do it. We need God to be working, so we need God to be involved, so we need to be listening to God because He is communicating to us. And the last quote is this, the heart and soul of the Christian life is learning to hear God's voice and then developing the courage to do what He asks us to do. That could be the struggle, just hearing, like learning to listen and and hear the voice of God. What does that sound like? How does God speak to us? And when we do hear it, will we be courageous enough to answer the call? I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. This idea that we are God's temple. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. 
And he says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. God dwells in his temple. We see that Samuel was right there laying and God was dwelling right there near him. The temple, that's us as Christians. God gives us the spirit to live inside us. This temple is something that we should take care of. Go to chapter 6, verse 19. And it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. We are bought with a price. Jesus died for our sins. He's given us new life. And the Spirit has been given to us to live inside us and to guide us. But yet we struggle with how to listen. When, when God gave us the Spirit to guide us, and sometimes those are just, just little things that are real easy to say, oh no. But uh, little things that would guide us in the right direction. And uh, the question is, are you willing? Are you listening? Are you distracted? What are you waiting for? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, once again, it says, What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. When we answer the call of salvation, we are filled with the Spirit and our bodies are the temple of the Spirit. And that's where the Spirit dwells. The Spirit lives in us to guide us. But we need to listen in order to answer that call. The call that God has placed on all of our lives. Many times, God is calling out to us and um, we don't hear it, we don't see it, and we need other people to, to help us in that. And that's one of the great benefits of the church um, one of the great benefits of worshiping together and coming together and hearing people's stories. This summer, I took a, a small group of high schoolers to CIY Move in uh, Corvallis, Oregon, and it was, it was just a fantastic experience. Um, many of you have heard the name Jace Malik. Phil's talked about it. He came here. He was baptized. His grandfather was baptized that same day. It was a powerful story, and I heard that and I understood that, but when I was at CIY Move, I got to watch a video that they put together because Jace Malik's transformation story started at a CIY move in Corvallis, Oregon in 2014. And this video that they play every Thursday night, and we're talking 31 conferences all around the nation. At the conference we were at, there are a thousand students. So thousands of students and more people being touched by this story. And I want you to see just the first part of that story. We're not going to watch the whole thing, but this, um, this story is amazing. So I want you to watch it. We're going to watch it now.
Welcome back to Patch and Lucas and Oso on 700 ESPN. I want to take a minute here to talk to you about a young man out in the Spokane Valley named Jace Malik. Already starting to turn heads at college recruiters in the Northwest and all along the West Coast. Plays both ways, so I'm not quite sure which side of the ball he'll end up in college. Defensive end, he's a pass rush nightmare. But on offense, the Eagles are giving this guy the ball. He's tearing up the great Northern League, almost looking for contact on his way to the end zone. He's simply the best player in the league and one of the best in our entire area, and that's just in football. On the wrestling mat, Jace is expected to get back to the state championship for the fourth time this year, and he's only lost once. I'm telling you, this kid is legit. He's certainly headed to college, and who knows what comes from there. The sky is the limit for Malik. And if that's not enough, he's got one of the coolest nicknames in our area. Finds the big man Malik again, and watch what he does. Breaks a tackle. Look at him rumble. 250 pounds of sex appeal. He's into the end zone. Jace Malik, someone to keep your eye on out the valley. Something we do here at Valley Real Life is we have people uh, throughout our services, anytime they feel led or feel like they want to, uh, to simply go and write someone's name that they want to see have a relationship with Jesus on our baptistry. One day in church, they were talking about writing someone's name down and praying for them every day and what a big change that can make on somebody's life. God just like kind of spoke to me that Jace was the person I needed to be praying for. Jace was a wrestler and Libby was a wrestling cheerleader. And they had been friends since they were sophomores in high school. That's when he came to West Valley. Then they just developed a pretty strong friendship. My relationship with God uh, wasn't as strong as it should have been. Jace has always been interested in going to church, has went to church off and on throughout you know, his childhood. He kind of struggled with his faith if he did have any faith. Um, I believe he believed in God, but never had a, a relationship with God. Always talked to him. I'd, I'd get to a big fourth down play. I was on defense, and I'd say, Lord, help me make the sack here. Lord, give me extra stuff in my speed so I can make this tackle. Lord, give me this. Lord, give me that. God was definitely, in my eyes, just the higher power, trying to do just enough not to make him mad. Our pastor put a challenge out to people to pray for one person for 30 days, and she decided that she would pray for Jace. She wrote his name up on the baptismal. I just wrote his name down and just continually prayed for him every day that he would fully commit his heart to God, and sooner or later he'd be in that baptistry, like getting baptized and committing himself to God. And she every night uh, prayed for him. And um, it was probably towards the end of that 30 days that they started to um, realize how much they really liked each other and started to date. I wasn't really thrilled about it. I've always told my boys that the prettier the girl is, the harder she is to get along with. So I thought she was trouble right away. <laughs> Thank you.
As him and Libby's relationship started to, to bloom, he started coming around uh, to either our high school ministry or to church. Youth group was the first time Jason and I really interacted and really like became more than just teammates on a football team. We became friends. I went to youth group with Hunter Lieberg and uh, they were going to move and uh, I had no football camps. It was actually the one weekend of the summer where I didn't have a football camp. Getting Jace to move was actually pretty tough. Um, initially, uh, it was that he needed to work out every single day because he was working on his scholarship to wherever he was going to go play football. So when we went to CIY, his, his first goal initially was uh, for football. It was all about football, all about football, all about football. It was all football. He just wanted to be the star football player, wanted everyone to know who he was, what he could do, and how great he was at football. As the week progressed on, it was really kind of cool to watch him grow in his faith. Uh, I watched him raise his hands in worship a little bit. I watched him actually respond to the message in a way that I'd never seen him respond before. I watched him a lot during worship, during the messages, and he was uh, really impacted. You know, he called me on the phone one time in tears, talking about, um, you know, he was wanting to apologize for, you know, giving me a hard time once in a while. And it was a good conversation. We, we talked about forgiveness real quick. And, and I knew that something they were saying over there was definitely breaking through to him and, and, and causing some sort of a change, maybe not just mentally, but in his heart too. He will not disappoint. He will not let you down. One night at MOVE, there was a speaker there that was talking about a red string, and they used that red string kind of as an example of your life. And the speaker encouraged our students and all the students there to go and take that string and to, to tie it to the heart if they were ready to make a commitment to follow Christ. I want my heart to be connected to Jesus. That was uh, symbolic for me because I was going through the phase where I was changing from being uh, all about myself and all about football to being about God and His work. I had been hoping that Jace was gonna make that next step with his relationship with God, and then once I watched him get up and go and tie the string and could see the emotions rolling through him and stuff, I knew that I had been praying for that, and that was what I had been waiting for, and that was the next step in Jace's relationship with God. It's just hard to explain, it was just different totally on fire for God. Everything he did, he just wanted to glorify God. I saw a total shift in him after CIY. That was definitely a defining moment for Jace in that moment to, uh, to begin to understand what a relationship with God looked like. He was different when we came back. Not only did he, he, he grow himself, but he tried to spread the word to others and try to draw people closer to God. For the longest time, uh, football was the main priority for Jace. He, he wanted to go play D1 football somewhere, uh, anywhere that he possibly could, could get there. Um, and now it looked like football was going to open the doors uh, for him to begin to do ministry. Pretty powerful story. Fred Sturgis comes every week, uh, first service. That's Jace Malik's grandfather. Um, because Jace Malik reprioritized his life, gave his life to Jesus, and started doing kingdom work. It started with a challenge to pray, and Libby answered the call of God to pray for. Jace, 
And uh, after praying for Jace, uh, we see Jace giving his life to the Lord. And he came back on fire. Um, football was going to be a reality for him. He ended up taking signing with Idaho Vandals. Um, but cancer came into his life and totally changed everything. And this last February, um, not too long after Jace was baptized here, and uh, his grandfather, um, he lost that battle. But his life and legacy is not about that. It's about God taking him and using it for his glory and his kingdom. And Jace answered that call. And he started changing lives immediately within his home family and uh, in the hospital rooms, um, the Idaho Vandals. Fred just had the opportunity to go down. He was invited to go to the football game last Thursday. Idaho beat Montana State, and uh, Fred was pretty tickled by that. But um, they had they had uh, some kind of memorial for for Jace, and um, his decision for Christ continues to change lives. And it's because he changed his attitude towards what was important in life. He gave his heart to Jesus, and God calls us, and He wants the same for us. Whatever our life is like, whatever our priorities are. He wants to reprioritize us. You know, He did it in my life. He's done it in your life. And he, he doesn't stop at salvation. I mean, He continues to do this throughout our lives. That we would um, hear the call of God and, and we would answer that. Are we listening to that? You know, are we willing? Um, cut out the distractions. Uh, last week, I was talking to Denise Petmiller before first service. She came in and she was just sharing how she just heard Jesus. You might have been here a few few weeks ago. It was first service. So you, you might have missed it. But she was baptized during first service. And it was just awesome to see the excitement. As I mean, you, if you weren't here, I'm sorry. It was just cool. Um, but then even last Sunday to hear her talking about, she's like, I know I've, I've heard Jesus before, but I heard Jesus calling me and I, I responded. And uh, maybe you can think about that in your own life. Maybe you've seen it in the lives of others where you know God's calling. God is trying to get our attention, trying to get someone's attention, and it's just a matter of making that decision to listen and to answer that call. Two of the students that went with me to see how I moved, one just came back with a totally new attitude. Um, he's still kind of holding on to some things, but uh, totally different attitude, totally changed. A young lady, um, she was baptized in the river just a week and a half ago, and it's just neat to see. Um, and, and we see it happening in here. People hear the call because they're coming and they're hearing the truth. And, and the truth is spoken, and God is reaching out, and, and He is just proclaiming the message, not just through... Um, the sermons on Sunday morning, but through your lives. As you interact with people, you know, this authentic walk, it just speaks loudly to people when they see it. And so if God's calling you to do something, I would urge you to answer that call. It's an amazing thing uh, to hear the stories of people's lives changed. And, you know, it's fun working here and I've had the opportunity to learn and grow so much uh, with Phil's leadership and uh, working under the elders and being able to work with Deanie. Um, Phil has said it time and time again that as a, just a boy, God was calling him into ministry and to preach, and, and he, he was pursuing that. Um, Deanie came in 
to ministry, not that he wasn't ministering and answering the call of God, um, but much later after, and when I met Deanie, we were pounding nails for Dave Boulware. He was working on his day off on Fridays, I think a little therapy um, from working for the sheriff's department, and uh, had a blast, and now I get to work with him here, and it's so cool, and I was working for Dave and loving it when God was saying, I want you to do more and put me here and, and has given me the opportunity. And I don't know how many times I've driven across the river because I used to live and coming into work, coming across the river. I just think, God, what are you doing? Because he is continually trying to teach us. He calls us to do more, to grow in this relationship and gives us opportunities to share, to spread the gospel wherever we are. It's an amazing thing. And I wonder, are you able to say that same thing about your life, that you're hearing God call out to you and that you're answering that call and you're seeing God work? Because again, we could get into this match of busyness and I've been there, you know, and it's hard not to go there. We're busy and so we kind of like, well, I don't have time for that. You've got to make time for that. God needs to be working in the busyness of your life. You need to be spending time with God, praying and reading your word and, and uh, growing in a relationship. Because God is continually giving us more. And as we are obedient, God is faithful and He's taking care of us. And He does awesome things. He changes the lives of the people around us as He's changing our life. This morning as we wrap up, I'm going to pray a prayer from Ephesians um, that Paul prayed for the Ephesians, and I want to pray for you. And um, so I'm going to have you stand. You can just—you um, don't need your Bibles. I'll read it, pray it. Um, but this morning, I want you to think about God calling you. Are you willing? Are you listening? Are you distracted? What are you waiting for? And if God's calling you to do something, Deanie's going to be over at this door. If you've never answered the call of salvation today could be the day if there's someone you're praying for and you just want to join with someone else and pray for that person maybe god's calling you to do something and you don't know what it is and you need to pray with someone about that whatever it is maybe you're just struggling with hearing the voice of god respond this morning pray would you bow your heads i pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to to His power that is at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.